Hello and welcome to Best Comics Ever. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookPeril.com. Today I'm going to be talking about new Marvel Comics completed story arcs that have been added to Marvel Unlimited throughout the month of May 2019. And I'll be talking a little bit about my favorites, where I rank them compared to each other, and where I may ultimately rank them on the Best Comics of All Time list. If you like Best Comics Ever and Comic Book Herald, you can support the site find more of my work at patreon.com slash comic book herald got some cool benefits and exclusives where patrons can that patrons can receive um and of course thank you to everyone who is already supporting the site in particular i'd like to thank a couple mysterious benefactors uh today i'd like to thank professor pride thank you professor for your support of comic book herald in the mysterious benefactor tier on patreon for everyone else, uh, if you can rate and review the podcast, that'll go a long way to helping other people find it. I would also encourage you to check out My Marvelous Year. That is the podcast I do with Zach Dean, where we are reading through every year of Marvel Comics from its origins to today uh, with a reading club list that I've provided over on MyMarvelousYear.com. Give that one a look if you want to do the Marvel Comics history. We're approaching the 1970s in Marvel history, and it should be a pretty good time. For those of you, though, who are looking on the newest story arcs, that's what I'm going to talk about today. First one that I have ranked as my favorite of the bunch this round is Cosmic Ghost Rider, issues number one to number five. This is a story written by Donny Cates with art, I believe, by Dylan Burnett. And Cosmic Ghost Rider is shockingly fun. I, I, I kind of resisted, I think, the initial excitement over Cosmic Ghost Rider as this absurd character. I know I've talked about him on the podcast before, but Cosmic Ghost Rider spins out of uh, Donny Cates' time writing Thanos issues 13 to 18, the story arc called Thanos Wins, and Cosmic Ghost Rider is this future-flung version of Ultimately It's Revealed, and this is sort of a spoiler for Thanos Wins. So if you, again, if you, I think if you don't really want to know spoilers about modern contemporary Marvel, I'm going to talk about things that are happening and the characters that are around. I'm not going to spoil twists and turns in these particular comics, but if you super want to avoid that, again, I would recommend checking out My Marvelous Year instead. Um, But it is revealed that Cosmic Ghost Rider is, he's a Ghost Rider in the future that Thanos is using basically as his Herald. He was previously the Herald of Galactus. And ultimately, when you trace the timeline all the way back, he was Frank Castle, the Punisher of the Marvel Universe. So you have Frank Castle in the future becomes the Ghost Rider who becomes a Herald of Galactus who becomes Thanos' <laughs> right-hand man, right? It's kind of wild, and it's very... I, the one thing I like about Kate's writing is even even if it doesn't work, it's always ambitious, and it always is trying some wild, inventive, potentially just mis, misguided ideas, but it's always trying them. And Cosmic Ghost Rider, I think, is a fantastic example of that. The character kind of has that feeling of a Deadpool or a Harley Quinn in that it's trying to be a little quirky, definitely trying to be more of a comedy bit. I was concerned that a miniseries might lean too heavily into the Deadpool realm of sort of fan service and and it kind of at its worst, I think. Um, and it doesn't, actually. It's a very good miniseries. It looks great. Dylan Burnett's art is awesome throughout this. And I've actually included the Cosmic Ghost Rider mini 
on my Thanos reading order because it's actually somewhat important to the narrative of Thanos comics in you know where we're at in 2019. So the the premise of Cosmic Ghost Rider is having had this history in Thanos wins with the character uh, Frank decides that he has to go back time travel back in time and kill Thanos as a baby. And everything begins from there. It's the age-old, would you kill Hitler as a baby question. And that's what this comic attempts to deal with uh, in in big and wild and, and frankly, exciting ways as it spans across, you know, sort of alternate timelines and realities of the Marvel Universe. So if you enjoyed Thanos Wins, if you're enjoying the writing of Donny Cates, definitely check out this five-issue mini. Um, it's not an all-timer for me, but it's very good. And I think it... It's definitely one that I think most of these issues came out in 2018. It's definitely one that uh, could have easily had a place on my favorite comics, Marvel Comics of, of 2018. Thanos the Infinity Conflict is the book I read next. And this one uh, I have some, some conflicted feelings about. The first thing is I've bought every original graphic novel that Jim Starlin has done since 2013 when he returned to the character of Thanos and has been producing these OGNs through Marvel. There are, I believe, five now released. There's sort of two sets of Starlin-written trilogies. And for those who don't know, Jim Starlin is the writer, creator, artist uh, who created Thanos in the Marvel Universe. Uh, he's done influential work with Adam Borlock, uh, and he's the writer and you know creator of the Infinity Gauntlet. So hugely influential on everything in Marvel Comics and the MCU today. Thanos the Infinity Conflict is the second in his second book in his second trilogy of Thanos graphic novels. And a couple thoughts here. One, it's really fun. It's very, very good. Uh, the second is it's this kind of an oddball because it doesn't basically at this point, and I've kind of tried to work it into continuity, it doesn't fit. This is really just Starlin verse where he's kind of doing his own own thing. It's, you know, playing with things that have happened throughout Marvel history. It's not like it is devoid of continuity or awareness of what has happened in Marvel. Um, but it's definitely, it doesn't connect. And I think one thing that's strange and Starlin's had a falling out with Marvel basically heading into this graphic novel. Um, and it's just, it's just kind of this left behind thing, which is a shame. I think the thing that bums me about it is it's really good. It's very fun. I think if you've liked Jim Starlin's work on Thanos to date, and I am a huge fan, then the Infinity Conflict, I think, is going to push all the right buttons uh, and then some. It is, it's got art by Alan Davis, who, of course, has a, a long history with uh, the Marvel Universe characters and teams like Excalibur. He's done some really good work. So I think it's great. It's really fun. I It's it's so good. It's one of my favorite entries in the in the new Starlin trilogies of Thanos books. I think this one gets wilder and more cosmic, which it, Starlin's, I think, coolest trick of the 2000s, which is like the second half of his Thanos career, is he always, he seems to get to the unbeatable, unpassable re like realm of, okay, we've done the biggest story possible. And then he goes bigger, always finds a trick to go bigger. And the Infinity Conflict does that with Thanos in a way that, you know, I was talking about Kate's ambition. It pales in comparison to what Starlin and Davis pull off here 
in the Infinity Conflict. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil anything other than to say Thanos gets more cosmic than I could have imagined. It's super fun. Again, if you've been, if you haven't been reading the series to this point, like I wouldn't really recommend you just pick this one up out of the blue. Um, you're going to want to start with the one before this is called the Infinity Siblings, but this is highly recommended for me. I like it a lot. This is the version of Thanos that I tend to prefer. Um, and I think, you know, because it's Jim Starlin and Alan Davis, it feels inherently old school. These are creators who have a long history with Marvel and their style and approach reflects that. Um, it doesn't feel modern in the way that somebody like Adonis Cates does, who is new, newer to the, the Marvel comic scene, certainly. But again, if you've been enjoying that, definitely check out The Infinity Conflict. Let's go into a couple X-Men books that I read. The first is a miniseries, Multiple Man, number one to five. This was written by Matt Rosenberg. Uh, it is good. It's fun. If you like Jamie Madrox, if you liked X Factor, you might enjoy this. Um, it kind of comes to terms with what's been up with Multiple Man in recent years. Uh, there's a lot of time travel shenanigans. There's a lot of, you know, Multiple Man, of course, his power set is he creates duplicates of himself. And the one thing Peter David did extremely well in uh, X-Factor throughout the 2000s is really expanding on the idea of these duplicates having different personalities and different skill sets. And Rosenberg leans into that here uh, in this Multiple Man miniseries. Again, I would say if, you were a f if you've been a fan of the character in the past, jump in. If you haven't, it's kind of a weird place to start. I mean, I think there's a lot of dynamics and a lot of things that have happened to Jamie and, for example, a character like Layla Miller, that if you don't know about that or have a little bit of history there, um, I don't think this mini is going to make a lot of sense, or at least as much sense or, or be as rewarding. Um, I think it could play okay. And I, I think that's important because this mini actually builds in a lot of ways to where X-Men is at today. Um, so this plays a role in the build to the relaunch of Uncanny X-Men number one, which happened in late 2018 which sort of builds to Age of X-Men, which builds to then the newer ongoing Uncanny from issues 11 to 22, which all builds to what is coming, which is Jonathan Hickman's time on X-Men. So I don't know that you necessarily need to read Multiple Man to understand all of that, but definitely he's around enough that it will give you some context. Um, if nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, check out all five issues cover uh, which are done by David Aja and are some of my favorite covers of 2018. The next series I read is called X-Men Black. It's a series of one-shots. They did five one-shots, each uh, specializing or focusing on an X-Men villain. And these are not essential, but uh, varying degrees of entertaining. There are There's an apocalypse solo story backing up each issue. So each of the five issues contains an ongoing apocalypse story by writers um, Zach Naylor and Lonnie Thompson. And uh, it's the apocalypse story is interesting if you like the character. Again, I don't think anything here is a knockout, but there are pretty fun ideas played with. There's a really good, uh, actually the Mojo, the X-Men Black Mojo one shot written by comedian podcast uh, extraordinaire Scott Ackerman is, is really well done. And it, it has a, Development of Mojo and Glob Herman becoming really good friends that I immediately turned around and added to my Glob Herman reading order uh, because it is it's it's a very fun issue. Again, nothing super splashy, nothing super special. You get Chris Claremont, writer, returning to do a Magneto solo story, which is about what you'd expect, but you know, 
pretty pretty consistently solid. Um, there's nothing here that made me think, oh my gosh, people have to read X, Y, and Z, but all of it is generally entertaining. If you like X-Men, if you like X-Men villains, uh, give that one a look. That takes us to Death of the Inhumans. Again, another five-issue miniseries by writer Donnie Cates. Uh, I believe art here by Ariel Olivetti. And Death of the Inhumans was fine, I thought. I think it's kind of a miss. Um, it's definitely, you know, we finally reached the point in in Marvel history where we're, I think, fans and I think... Uh, Basically, the the Marvel readers of the last, I don't know, decade of comics are pretty ready for the Inhumans to take a back seat again. Uh, there definitely was a push, you know, events like X-Men versus Inhum or Inhumans versus X-Men, excuse me, to make them bigger. Uh, there was a really good solo Black Bolt series that I've talked about written by Saladin Ahmed. And uh, they've kind of, I think we've kind of peaked on Inhumans um, at their potential. So to have a death of series actually does make sense i think timing wise i don't think this one is fantastic again it looks cool i suppose ariel vetti basically creates uh design wise this destroyer of inhumans and you know there's i think if you're attached to these characters there are going to be some meaningful moments if you're not um it's kind of big old hey we're destroying the inhumans uh action and again uh, this one didn't stand out to me. I would say it's one of the weaker entries from Cates as a writer. I've enjoyed a lot of his work. I like Venom an awful lot. As I mentioned, Thanos Wins is good. Cosmic Ghost Rider is very good. Death of the Inhumans falls uh, probably about the lowest tier that I've seen from him so far, which isn't to say it's bad. And I think that's testament to the quality work he's been doing, why he's become such a hot name and a, you know, like a good-selling artist or writer for Marvel. That builds to The Century, another five-issue mini, this one written by Jeff Lemire and uh, with art by Kim Jacinto. And I apologize for mispronunciation of that name potentially. But uh, Century 1 to 5, this one's tough because it's not bad. It follows up, actually, speaking of Cates, who's had a, a huge influence on Marvel lately, it follows up on developments that he had for The Century in the pages of his run on Doctor Strange. And in that story, we found that Doctor Strange had been keeping the Sentry or had created a space for the Sentry in a pocket dimension. And basically this was to keep the Sentry from harming anyone else and to keep him at peace. He is the Void, his alter ego that is, you know, all evil. Basically the Sentry is one half Superman and then his evil counterpart, the Void. They're all actually the same person, you know, so he is both the good and the evil. Um, of of basically almost undefeatable power, and uh, that that is unleashed in the pages of Doctor Strange. So now Sentry's free, and what we find in this mini is that Doctor Strange and Tony Stark have created a device that allows Bob Reynolds, the Sentry's alter ego, to live in the world, to live in Marvel Earth six one six, and then every twenty four hours he has to go and use this machine that they've created, which will take him to a pocket dimension where he can be the Sentry, he can play out the life of the Sentry. And then he returns to the life of a fry cook, basically, in a very modern, mundane life. And so long as he does this every 24 hours, he's going to be fine. So conceptually, there's a pretty, pretty clear, good idea here, which is, you know, it's a lot like someone dealing with, I think, alcoholism or addiction, where every 24 hours, they have to check in. 
and they have to do this appointment. And if they don't do it, they might fall off the wagon. Um, and that's, you know, the metaphor there is pretty clear. And in, you know, in the case of Bob Reynolds, the century, basically he's saying, if I don't check in like this, I could become this weapon of unmitigated power that people can't stop. So because of this, you know, he's got people like Misty Knight, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. checking in on him. He's got Tony Stark checking in on him. You know, they're all, they're trying to give him a chance because he's been an Avenger in the past and has this history in the Marvel Universe. Um, but they're all super worried and, and keeping tabs on him because, you know, if you've read Siege, the Marvel 2010 event, the Void Unleashed can be a very, very destructive force. So all this is to say there's good ideas and it's a pretty good series. I think one thing that really holds it back for me is it's Jeff Lemire writing. And he's one of my favorite comic writers. And I think the biggest problem that I have on Lemire with, with big two comics right now is his work in his own creator-owned Dark Horse series, Black Hammer, is so much stronger. And Sentry actually feels a ton like a mini that he could have been doing in the Black Hammer universe and maybe taken things a little further and maybe taken the metaphors a little bit deeper. Um, but instead here he's playing with the Marvel toolbox. So I think it's good work, and I really like the artwork in this. Again, Kim Jacinto does a really nice job, and it's it's a good-looking book. Um, and it ends after five. You know, you're in and out, um, and frankly, it leaves you wanting more. That said, I just I can't shake the feeling that it would have been better as a Black Hammerverse character, which is kind of an unfair standard to hold. I mean, I'm not holding the other series to this, but that's that's where I've got Lemire now. And, you know, I've said this before, Black Hammer is my favorite superhero shared universe of the last two years, you know, something like that. Uh, so, it, you know, it holds a different place for me mentally. Brings me to the final story on the Marvel Unlimited reads that I covered this round. That is Old Man Logan, issues number 46 to number 50. This is the final Two story arcs of Old Man Logan as a title, which, yes, amazingly ran for 50 issues after Old Man Logan made it out of 2015 Secret Wars into the Marvel Universe proper. Uh, this is written by Ed Brisson, and it begins with a two-part, I believe, Alpha Flight story before wrapping up with connecting some of the loose ends that were left from Old Man Logan number 25 to number 30, where the Maestro, aka the alternate villainous version of the Hulk, who is intelligent and monstrous and cruel in all of the worst ways, um, he, he has found his way to our timeline. He has created a village of his own where he is known as King up in Canada, and uh, he's got a very Negan-like grip on this cruel Walking Dead-esque town that old man Logan busts into. And it will be, and, and basically the premise throughout all these issues is old man Logan's healing factor is finally giving up. Um, if you've seen Logan, the premise is is somewhat similar, or the, you know, the way it's working. He's got a drug that can bring him back to normal Wolverine powers and skill, but it's, you know, it takes a toll. So, He's on the verge of actual death, finally, for old man Logan, and he's got to fight first a big old alien with Alpha Flight, which gives some nice, actually really nice moments, uh, particularly with Puck, and then it builds to uh, a showdown with the evil Maestro. So, that was well how that turns out. Again, I actually mostly like this one as well. I've been in and out on old man Logan. I think it's 
kind of silly that it ran for as long as it did. And I think it's especially silly that the issue 50 ends with a tease for a series that's called Dead Man Logan. Um, because it, I think would have ended pretty effectively right here. But, uh, you know, if you've been enjoying the series, I think you're going to enjoy these final five issues. It's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm ready to have regular Wolverine back in the Marvel Universe and doing his own thing as regular Wolverine again. But um, Brieson did a nice job writing this, particularly these last five issues. So there you have it. Those are the new completed story arcs in Marvel Unlimited for the month of May 2019. I'll be back again, of course, in June, wrapping up uh, newer arcs. And if you follow me on Patreon, I also share there um, all the issues that are going to make for completed story arcs earlier in the month so you can play and read along at home. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, if you can rate and review on iTunes if you like the show, that'd be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, again, thanks, and enjoy the comics.